is your Savior, you can definitely use what I'm going to say, but I've entitled our Sunday school lesson today, The Dirty Towel Father. The Dirty Towel Father. And in John chapter 13, we're going to look at three dirty towel principles of living the Christian life. I uh, guess subtitle would be Servant Leadership. Servant Leadership. We're going to look at today, and we see the great example of Jesus in the upper room, hours before the crucifixion. He gave an example for 33 and a half years of servant leadership, but boy, what an illustration we have in John chapter 13. I do want to stop and give a little parentheses and a little plug for something. I understand that on Sunday mornings, Pastor is going through the continue book with you. Uh, I got to be a little part of that. Um, we helped with the scope and sequence of writing that book and gave some of the materials for that book as well. I want to encourage you, stay focused and stay faithful in getting that continue book. That is a great discipleship manual. And one of the great needs as I travel across America today that I'm seeing is that Christians, believers, are not grounded in their faith. They just don't know what they believe. And some people say, well, why is this young generation not living their faith? Well, you know why they're not living their faith? They don't know their faith. And it is very important that you get grounded. So I, I, I'm so excited about being here. I'm so excited about the Sunday School lesson. But honestly, there is one downer that you're missing your continued discipleship lesson today. And I do feel bad about that. But Pastor, I want to encourage you and encourage them. Continue with the discipleship program. That is a great thing that you're doing. Get others, invite others to Sunday school. And I think as long as I've been coming here, and I think this is the seventh time I've, oh, I have to tell you something else. Just on a very sober note. I, no, this is interesting though, Pastor. I have never been to this church that you did not have a funeral uh, in the week before or the week that I was uh, on the Sunday that I was here. Um, I have never been here that there has not been a funeral uh, going on with people in the flock. And uh, that just, that in a way just is very sobering uh, to me. I know the Lord has actually used many of these folks going home to see other people come to know Christ as their Savior. But I just thought that that was, when you mentioned another funeral today, I said, I have never spoken here that that was not true. Um, but I was going to tell you, though, I think this is the largest Sunday school that I've seen since I've been coming here, and uh, I'm excited about that, and I think that has a lot to do with pastor and the continued program. But we're in John chapter 13. Well, if there is a group of people that are being... Uh, disrespected, downed, and depreciated in America, I cannot think of a group more than white males. White males today in America are the downtrodden of everything. And I want to encourage you today, and I think just being a man and being a husband and being a father today is, being, is so disrespected. If you're a father and you're a, a husband today and you're a male today, thank God for the way God created you. And I want to talk to you a little bit 
about one of the most important roles a male will ever have. So not only is there a biological difference between male and female, there is also a responsibility difference, a role difference between male and female. The great need that we have today is the need of males in our society fulfilling the role of what God created you. And uh, if I gave three words, uh, descriptive words of what a man ought to be, and it doesn't matter if they're teens, and by the way, I know a lot of teens came back from camp. This is great for all the teenagers to hear today, and especially the teenage guys to hear today. If there would be three words that I would describe that men need today and males need today, it is leadership, protection, and provider. You are the providers in a culture, you are the protectors in a culture, and you are the leaders in a culture uh, as well. And they're very, very important. Well, we're going to take the aspect of leadership today, and if we can get men at our church today to start being the leaders, we've accomplished a lot through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to talk about leadership, we've got to put a word before it because you cannot define biblical leadership without this word, servant leadership. You cannot give me a leader in the Bible that did anything for the cause of Christ, whether it's David, Joshua, Moses, it doesn't matter, Nehemiah, whatever leader you want to pick, there was one thing that they had a characteristic they were a servant leader, and it is so important for that. Uh, we're going to read uh, John 13, verses 1 through 5. We'll have a word of prayer, and I'm going to give you the three dirty towel father principles that will be good for everybody in here as a Christian, every guy in here, every male, and especially the dads today how to become a dirty towel father, how to become a dirty towel Christian. So here's what we're going to do, because it's Sunday school, and sometimes it's hard to get going. Let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning, and I'll read verses 1 through 5. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll look at the dirty towel father. And I'm really excited about this. Here we go. Biggest thing for me right now is to be disciplined enough to read these five verses and not stop along the way. Because there's just so many good things. Here we go. Chapter 13, verse 1. Jesus is in the upper room. Hours before the crucifixion. Just minutes before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And prays even great drops of blood. So many things going on in the Lord's life. We pick it up in verse number 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover. When Jesus knew that his hour was to come, was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Here's our text. He riseth from supper, 
and laid aside his garments and took a, everyone together, what's the next word? Towel. That was terrible. And took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Father, I pray today, I absolutely pray for every father today that they would make a decision to be a dirty towel father, that they would become servant leaders. I pray for every man, every male that's in here, that they would make a decision today to be a servant leader. I pray for every believer that they also would decide, I want to serve others, not myself. I pray that the ladies here would support men that are being servant leaders, would encourage, would affirm, would, would praise them for their leadership in a servant way. Lord, we need the Spirit of God today. I thank you for the example we have in Christ. No greater example of a leader and of a servant leader has ever lived on planet Earth than our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we learn some things from him today about being a dirty towel Christian and father. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and God's people said, you may be seated. If there was ever anyone that had a right to be preoccupied with something, it was the Yeshua HaMashiach that night in the upper room. Jesus knew, did you notice what it said there? He knew his hour had come. This is not a Hollywood Jesus here that's got this long scraggly hair, this dirty white robe, and these weird eyes, and they're just kind of like drifting through life. This Jesus knew exactly what was going on. Nothing surprised this Jesus. He's God. He was God in the flesh. That being said, during this dinner, he probably reached up and felt his beard. Knowing that within hours, that beard was going to be ripped out. During the course of that meal, he might have reached up and touched his brow. Knowing that within hours, a crown of thorns over two inches long would be plated, would be planted into his skull. During the course of that meal, he might have picked up to pass the bread or the cup. And as he looked down at his hands, he realized that for all of eternity, he would never again see his wrists without a puncture hole in it. My friends, Jesus knew what was ahead of him that night in the Passover dinner. If there was ever anyone that had the right to not think about, oh, I forgot, nobody's washed anyone's feet, it would be Jesus. If anyone had the right to be preoccupied with what was about to come, it would be the Lord. Dads, let me ask you something. Have you ever been preoccupied before? Have you ever come home from work and you got a lot on your mind? There's a lot going on at the office. There's a lot going on in the fields. 
you got a lot of pressures. Well, I, I'm sorry, honey, I'm a little preoccupied. You know, we don't have as much in the bank as I thought. If anyone had the right to be preoccupied, it was Jesus. He knew what was up ahead of him. He knew what was going to occur. But notice, even in spite of everything that he knew was going to happen to him, he engaged in serving those that were around that table. Notice what it says, and we'll get to our text in just a moment. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, his hour was to die, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Whoa. How do you get patient with some of those disciples? I mean, this he loved them to the end. Yeah, yeah, that'd probably be true, except for, you know, that one guy. Oh, no, 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 including that one guy. Matter of fact, do not forget what I'm about to tell you. That he did not wait for Judas to leave before he washed their feet. If I knew someone was going to betray me, I'm going like, okay, I'll wash these guys' feet, these disciples, but I'm waiting for Judas to leave. Jesus washed the feet of Judas. And he knew, but he loved them to the end. He loved Judas to the end, folks. He was patient. Come on, dads. You know, sometimes I think this has been an area in my life. I've always loved my boys, but sometimes I always haven't been patient with them. He loved them to the end. He was patient with them. And some of them, like, didn't turn out the way that he would have even wanted, like Judas. Peter's going to betray him within hours, but he loved them till the end. I love that. Okay, verse number two. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knows this. Now look at verse three. We will come back to verse three a little bit later. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, who has authority now? Jesus. He has been doing his Father's will. One more time, he's going to pray a little bit after this. He's going to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's going to pray, Father, is there any way that I can redeem man and not be separated from you? Is there any way we can do this redemption thing? Is there any way we can do this salvation thing and me not be separated from you? That's what he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. But in the end, he says, but not my will, but thy will be done. He, the Father gave Jesus complete authority. You do whatever you want now. You are in control of this now. And Jesus, it, I want you to see the first thing he does when he's in complete authority. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. Now here's our text. There's three actions that he does and I think this is the description of a servant leader. This, dads, this is what we do the rest of our lives as fathers. Number one, he riseth from supper. He took the initiative. Number two, he laid aside his garments. He surrendered and gave up. And number three, and he took a towel and girded himself. He humbled 
himself in what he was about to do. There are three actions that he does I want to talk to you about. Number one, he riseth from supper. Would everyone help me with that? What's the first thing Jesus does? Everyone together? He rises from supper, otherwise known as he took initiative. Okay, men, this is our job. This is our responsibility. When God created you a male, he also required, when he created you a male, you have a responsibility. You have a role. You have several things. I'm going to just talk about one today. But you are now the initiators. You are to take the first step. You're a man. Men initiate. Listen to this statement because you're going to say it in just a minute, okay? You ready? See the need, take the lead. See the need, take the lead. I only want the men to say that. If you're a male in here, teenager, whatever, if you're a guy in here, everyone together, see. Whoa, that was pretty bad. Let's try that again, men. I don't want the women to have to come in to help us here, okay? Every guy together, see the see the need, take the lead. Initiative. Jesus is eating the Passover meal. Nobody washed their feet. Hey, they come into that upper room. What are they talking about? I'm going to be the defense secretary. Well, I'm going to be the treasurer of secretary. I'm going to be the. They're talking about what positions they're going to have in the kingdom. They still haven't got it after three and a half years. They still do not understand that they're sitting next to the suffering Messiah who's going to come the first time to die for their sins. They're still fighting over what position. Nobody's paying attention to their own feet, let alone anyone else's. Jesus has gone through the whole meal. Nobody has done anything. And the Bible says he riseth from supper. He saw the need, everyone to get everyone together, and he took the lead. You take initiative. If you are a man in this room, you are the initiator in your marriage. You are the starter in your family. Dads, if you're here today because mom dragged you to church today, shame on you. Because men take initiative. You see the lead, you take the need. You, you see the need, take the lead. And that's your job. Your job is to initiate and get things started. It is not up to your wife to make sure this happens. If you pray at the table, it's the husband, it's the father that says, hey, you can pray, or you designate that, or I'll lead us in prayer. But that's the husband that does that. That's the father who does that. Spiritually, physically, financially, in all areas, it is the role of the male to take initiative. Now, I'll tell you something. That is counter to our culture today. You can't watch commercials that women are not the initiators now. You can't see any kind of film. You can't watch anything. And even as good as it is, and there was no bad language, and there was no sexual thing, there's still even a role misrepresentation. Men, you are to take the initiative. You are the leader. What did Jesus do here? He saw the need. He took the lead. So in order to do that, this is what men do. They step out of their, anyone know? You step out of your, oh, got it, way to go. 
you step out of your comfort zone. Greatest need of a woman is security. So the man has to step out of his comfort zone to provide that security. Men, it is, well, I'll just kind of sit back here and just kind of see. I got my little safe space. Well, you know what, fathers? You need to step out of your safe space. It's time for some of your da- you dads to start taking leadership in some areas and start taking, see the need, take the, hey, honey, we got a problem with our son. Yeah, and I'm waiting for you to take the lead with our son. Hey, you know what? I think this needs to happen. Okay, it's time to step out of your comfort zone. Now, let me tell you something. It is not natural for anybody, male or female, to step out of their comfort zone. It's comfortable in the comfort zone. It's our safe space. We all have it. We all enjoy being in there. It's the man's responsibility. It isn't like, hey, guys, it's easy for us. No, it's not. It has never been easy for me to step out of my comfort zone. But I'm going to tell you this. Nothing great has ever happened in my life without me finally stepping out of my comfort zone. Now, you may look at me and say, oh, this guy, this guy, Settler, he probably, he doesn't mind. No, I get scared. I've got fears. I don't like, I just like to, okay, you know what? I don't think I'll do it. This isn't my church. I don't think I'll do this. I don't think I'll do that. This isn't, you know, really, I, you know, I don't feel comfortable here. No, I go through all those things too. But I'll tell you this, you will never be used by God. And men, you'll never be the man of God that God wants you to be until you step out of your comfort zone. Whatever, it may be from witnessing to helping your children. I don't know what it may be, but it's time for you to step out of your comfort zone. He rises from supper. He's going to step out of his comfort zone. He sees the need. He takes the lead. He decides to start serving others. So I don't know what decisions you teenagers made this past week, but I hope you made a decision to start serving others. Because the greatest thing in the world to do after you know Christ is to serve others. So I lived in Israel for a while, and we went to two seas. We went to the Sea of Galilee. Well, we went to the Mediterranean Sea, too. We went to the Sea of Galilee, and that was really cool. And, you know, there's still fishing going on in the Sea of Galilee. It's a, it's a freshwater uh, sea, and, and uh, it's just beautiful, and we love the Sea of Galilee. And then we went about 85 miles south to the lowest spot on planet Earth the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, I don't remember how many feet below sea level. I think it's like 1,500 feet below sea level. It's the lowest spot on the surface of the earth. And I want to tell you all something. I don't know if you ever thought this before. But do you know why it's called the Dead Sea? It's because everything in it is, oh, you guys, everything in it is dead. There is no life in the Dead Sea. Well, why is that, Brother Shetler? It has the, its water has the least amount of oxygen in it of any body of water. It cannot sustain life. There's not enough oxygen in it. It's all full of salt and minerals and everything. It's just unbelievable. Matter, matter of fact, I, I remember it is the most salty water on planet Earth. The day I went, you don't really swim in the Dead Sea, you just float in the Dead Sea. And, and the day that I was there to, to float in the Dead Sea, I had just shaved. And I'll tell you, my legs burned. I'm t- no, I'm t- 
I had shaved that morning, and I got a little cut, and I got in that dead sea. That salt water got in there. <laughs> man, that hurt. Man, that hurt. Well, be a man. I know, I know, I know. That's another point. But anyways, the dead sea. But Brother Shelley, why is the dead sea dead? Why, why is it got so, why doesn't it have enough oxygen? Now, here's it. It's stagnant. And you know why it's stagnant? It has the Jordan River flowing into it. And the Jordan River's got fresh water. The Jordan River's got fish in it. And the Jordan River's a good river. But it flows into the Dead Sea and it stagnates. And the reason why it stagnates, and you listen to this, it has no outlet. There's no outlet. So the water comes in and it just stagnates. And thus you have the what sea, everyone together, you have the, now listen to me. You come out of your comfort zone and you start serving others. Because, by the way, you know what is the worst thing that could happen by teaching the continuous series? Is that you all don't do anything with what you're hearing. You will die spiritually if you do not apply that which you're getting. You've got to exercise that which you're learning. If you came up to me and I said to you, you know, we got talking about physical fitness, and I said to you, well, you know, I, I, I belong, I, I'm a member of a, of a gym, fitness center. And you'd look at me and go, you are? Yeah. Huh. Brother Shelton, yeah. How often do you go? Ha, 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 ha. I go every day. Brother Shelton, you go every day to a fitness center? Yeah. Can't you tell? Brother Shelton, like how long do you stay there? Hour and a half. Every day I go to the fitness center. I get there 5.30 in the morning. I stay till 7 o'clock. I'm at this fitness center every day for an hour and a half. I'm there every day. You've got to be kidding me. You go to a fitness center? Yes. You go every day? Yes. You spend an hour and a half there? Yes. What do you do? I walk around. You, you walk around. Do you use any of the machines? No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't use any of the machines. Brother Shelley, you go to a fitness center every day, don't you? 5.30, yes, don't you? You stay till 7, don't you? And all you do is walk around? Yes, yes, don't you? Well, Brother Shetler, you're never going to change. You're never going to change if you don't use some of the machines. Now listen to me. You can spend an hour and a half reading the Bible every day, and it never change you until you start doing something about what you're getting. Are you with me? Well, let me tell you something, men. you got to come out of your comfort zone, and you got to start applying what you're starting to learn. You have got... To take initiative. That's what men do. They take initiative. Number one, he rises from supper. Number two, he laid aside his garments. Okay, help me out. I got to have some interaction. Is it wrong that Jesus had these garments? No, no, it wasn't wrong that he had the garments. So the garment was not sinful. So he gets up from the table and he takes off one of his garments. It wasn't sinful for him to have that garment. 
but it wasn't needful for him to have that garment to do what he was called to do. Sorry, Heather, I'm not sure where you're going with this. Well, let me tell you one other thing. The garment was not helpful for what he was going to do. Now, I'll never be back after I say this, but that's okay. I'm going to preach the truth. Now, listen to me. There's nothing sinful in having a hobby. There's nothing sinful about hunting. There's nothing sinful about whatever, golf. It's, there's nothing sinful about it. But you need to decide some things, men. Is it needful for you to be a dad to have some of the hobbies that you're having? And has it helpful? It might be. you got to have a diversion. Okay, I'm good with that. I am. But I am going to tell you something. There may be things in your life, it may be a pickup truck that has so binded your family financially. It may be something that you wanted. But let me tell you something. Jesus took, he got up, took the initiative, and he laid aside his garments. Okay, guys, I am not preaching to you that, hey, you got some, now you may have a sinful habit. You better get rid of that. The garments were not sinful, but the garments were not needful, nor were the garments helpful. So Jesus set aside something that was okay, was not sinful, but it was not needful or helpful. Now let me tell you something, dads. I think we're playing around with a lot of stuff that is not sin, but it is not helping us as a dad. It is not doing anything for us as a husband. And do you know what Jesus did? He laid those things aside. It could be technology. It could be your social media. It could be a hobby. It could be dreams. Some of you got dreams from your teen years that you, you, you call it a bucket list now or whatever, but it's not helping you at all. You need to reassess where you're headed in your life, men. Grow up. You're 40 years old. And you need to reassess some things. Men, I just want to tell you, we have a culture today that needs servant leadership. He took initiative, he surrendered, gave up. By the way, teenagers, so you just came back from camp. You surrendered some things over for the cause of Christ. It wasn't like it was wicked or needful. Maybe you're a soccer player, football player, basketball player. I'm not saying you'll never play basketball again. I'm not saying you'll never play volleyball again. But maybe God wants you to surrender that to him. And just say, Lord, whatever you want to do with wrestling, whatever you want to do with this in my life, God, it's yours. God, I give you this. And whatever you want to do, he laid aside his garments. They weren't sinful, they weren't needful, and they weren't useful. Whatever it may be. Men, men, he rises from supper, he took initiative. Number two, he laid aside his garments, he surrendered. And number three, he took a, everyone together, he did what? He took a what? A towel. He humbled himself. What absolutely amazes me is the very first action that Jesus took when he had all power, all authority. He's the guy now. The Father 
has given all authority to Jesus. What is the very first action that Jesus does now that he has all authority? He goes over to the disciples. And he washes their feet. The very first. Hey, you're the head of the home, guys. No, 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 no. Biblically, you are the authority in that house. You are. You are the head of that home. You are the authority. So what should be your very first response to being the head of your family? Pick up a towel. And there's nothing beneath you, Dad. There's nothing you won't do for your kids or for your wife. You get up and you start serving. And you get your towel dirty. And you start saying, dear God, help me be the servant leader that you want me to be. I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for my three sons. But I'll tell you this. I, would, I learned quickly. I'm not going to be Ben Luke and Drew's dictator. That ain't going to work. And if I'm going to have any influence on Ben, Luke, and Drew, I better learn it's more about serving them than those serving me. I've been married for 43 years. And I will tell you something. At first I thought, man, this is going to be great, this help me thing, you know. You know what you learn pretty quick as a husband? It's you serving your wife, guys. It's about, and I don't want to stand up here and go like, and I do it. No, man, I fail. I have to, so I needed, when I drove here, it took me an hour and a half, it's a two hours drive here. And I'm going through this message this morning. And I'm thinking, all right, Jim, your wife's got, you know, you got, your wife's got big back pain right now. How, how, how well did you do serving her this past week? How well, you know what? There's things in my life. I am not standing here telling you, come on, guys. It's, you know, Listen, I struggle with this too, but I'm going to tell you this. You are not the servant leader until you take initiative until you lay aside and surrender certain things and you say, God, there's nothing beneath me. I'm ready to serve you. Okay, how am I doing on time? Let's look at this. This gets really good. So he rises from supper, took initiative, laid aside his garment. He, um, he surrendered. He gave it up for a, for a greater cause, guys. And he took a towel and girded himself. And then look at this, verse 5. And after that, he poureth water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. If you would very quickly look down to verse 14. Jesus speaking. If I then, your Lord and Master, dads, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you and everyone together. What's the next word? Example. That ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. It's not Mother's Day today, but I could tell you so many things why mothers are so important. Today's Father's Day. And if there is one area that we need dads to be, we need them to be examples of servant leadership. I'm going to tell you something, dads. Your children are watching you. And if you start coming to the plate with some initiative, see the need, take the lead. 
and you start, your kids will one day realize, you know, dad gave up a lot. Dad sacrificed a lot for us kids. Dad did this, and dad put away this, and dad wanted this, and dad could have owned this, but dad put that away. And you know what? There wasn't anything that was beneath my dad. My dad was willing to pick up the dirty towel and wipe our feet and take care of us. Man, there isn't anything that you will do better to be an example for your children of what a servant leader is. So, men, and we're going to start with fathers. If you're a father here today, I brought something. I brought some towels that need to get dirty. So I'm asking, if you're a father here today and God spoke to your heart about servant leadership, Pastor, come on up here for a minute. If, uh, by the way, let's give me a quick illustration. I don't know much about this man, but I know that he exemplifies servant leadership. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because I've seen the fruit of his family. I've seen Thane wash people's feet. I've seen Thane practice what I preach today. Well, where did he get that from? He got this from a dad. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're willing to say, you know what, just, just, just for fathers to begin with, then we're going to go to husbands that don't have kids yet, and then we'll go to men or teenagers that are here. And then we'll go to anyone, if we got any towels left, I don't know. But if you're a father here today, and you'd say, you know what, that servant leadership, that's what I want. I need to start taking initiative. You know what, I need to maybe lay some things aside. And nothing will be beneath me. Brother Shetler, I need to be the servant leader that God wants me to be. And I don't mind being the example of that. I'm, I'm coming forward in a way to, to say I haven't been what I should be. But I desire to be that servant leader. If that's true, fathers, can you get up from your seat and come get a towel? If you mean that, you honestly can say before God, that's my desire. That's what I want to be. I want to be a servant leader. You know, a lot of times on Father's Day, they give gifts at a church. Well, I can't think of a better gift than a dirty towel. Here you go, Dad. You may run out of towels. Well, amen. Praise the Lord, Pastor. I guarantee you, Pastor will have more of these towels. You got some coming? You got more? I know. A, a good church should probably always have towels around. <laughs> Amen. Why, he's out. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, this touched my heart this morning. I thank you for men that are willing to say, I, I need to get my towel dirty. Father, I don't know of anything in our culture that we need more than servant leadership from males. And Lord, I'm thankful that the fathers here are making that decision to go forward. God, help them 
see the need and take the lead. God, we'll all fail in that. I, I'm going to fail this week in some of those areas, but Lord, I'm asking that you'll convict my heart and convict these men where we should, you know what, I just need to take the lead here. And Lord, may we be willing to lay aside anything in our life that would hinder us from being the servant, leader, father, husband that we ought to be. God, there's a lot of things in our life that are not sinful, but they're not helpful. They're not needful. And God, maybe for a moment, maybe for a day, we put that aside. And we say, no, 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 my family becomes more important right now than me getting out to do this or do that or whatever. God, help us with that. And then, Lord, may we be a group of men that would say there's nothing beneath us. That, God, whatever needs to be done, we would do it. We wouldn't say, hey, that, that's not my responsibility. God, may you give us opportunities. May we not be the Dead Sea. May we be alive because we have an outlet of serving others. Father, I pray for everyone that made decisions today. May they go back. And Lord, may the rest of us encourage these dads in what they did. That's a great thing what they did today. Lord, I pray that whenever we see them taking servant leadership, that we would praise our fathers. We would praise our husbands. That we would encourage them in what they're doing. And Lord, I thank you for a pastor here, an under-shepherd, who's a good example of a servant leader. And God, I pray for these men right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, look at that. We do have some more.